Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation as usual as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Here we go. What you think about Hi, everyone. Welcome to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I am Lori LeBay, and I'm thrilled that you're with us today. If you liked our opening song, it's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band, and I encourage you to go ahead and download that on any of your favorite music platforms. For those of you that are new, Alzheimer Speaks is about sound information, not just sound bites. We like to have real conversations with real people making a difference in the world of dementia. We launched Alzheimer's Speaks in 2011, and we just love sharing and connecting people to new services, products, and tools. And we're going to do just that today by talking with Mods Awards. So uh, before I introduce you to everybody, I always like to give a few shout outs. So again, if you haven't checked out Dementia Map, please do so. We have put that together as a global resource. And There's lots of things in there. We have like 150 categories and it is growing every single day. If you have a service product or tool, we would love you to list yours. Uh, You can um, have a free listing or you can do an enhanced listing. And for those of you looking for resources, products and tools, you don't have to sign in. There's no password. It's just easy access um, because I know what it feels like to be a care partner Uh, looking for information. And there's a lot more resources out there than we know of. Things like the Memory Cafe directory and Coral Health, who is allowing people to download two of their um, apps free, uh, Saltbox TV, Zinnia TV. Uh, The list just goes on. Books, uh, we recognize the all's authors and so many more. So go to DementiaMap.com and check that out. I also want to give a shout out to Arthur's Senior Care. They have been so wonderful in sponsoring Arthur's Memory Cafe, which I've been doing for years now. And we meet um, virtually the second and fourth Wednesday of each month during the pandemic at one o'clock central. And anybody is welcome to join us. Also in person, uh, Brookdale North Oaks is sponsoring a caregiver connect support group and we meet in person the last Wednesday of each month at 10 o'clock and anyone is welcome to come again that's in Shoreview Minnesota Uh, let's see I still love this project it's called the brain donor project check it out they're looking for brains they need our brains for research both those that are diseased and those that aren't And don't forget to mark your calendars for November 2nd, where you can participate in Together for Dementia, which is sponsored by the Dementia Research Charity Brace. We're going to hear from the Footbar Walker, and then we'll be right back. Introducing the life-changing Foot Bar Walker. I'm Peggy from Danville, Kentucky, and I'm 91 years old. The Foot Bar Walker revolutionized my care of George. It absolutely benefits the patient and the caregiver both, and that's the beauty of it. 
It's so easy to use. It folds up just like a dream. I got it in and out of the car without any effort at all. The saving that I made from having to put him in a nursing home came to about $192,000. Does someone you love use a walker? Do they struggle to get up from a seated position? Are you a caregiver dealing with physical pain and stress as you help your patient? The Foot Bar Walker was designed to assist not only the patient, but also the caregiver. Patients have more control standing up, and no lifting from the caregiver is required. See how it works at thefootbarwalker.com. That's thefootbarwalker.com. Peggy, would you recommend the Foot Bar Walker? Do I ever? I would not be in the health that I'm in today at this age had it not been for the Foot Bar Walker. Okay, we're back, and it's time to introduce our guests. Again, today our topic is going to be covering MODS Awards under the um, organizational category, and we're going to talk with uh, one of those winners. Well, as I said earlier, I'm so excited to introduce you to these ladies today. This is a really exciting time. So first, I'm going to introduce you to Marilyn Rakel. She is the Executive Director of MODS Awards. And for those of you that haven't heard about that, we're going to talk about that. This is an exciting time because we're going to be talking about the winners and how they've gone through that process and how important that is. Marilyn was also a care partner for her parents. And so she she gets this. She gets this whole process of Alzheimer's and dementia. And in um, 2015, she was really inspired by her mother's newfound artistic ability that she found in the art of Alzheimer's. And so she's really learned to celebrate that creativity and today's show is going to kind of amplify that because we're going to go down another area of, of creativity in art. So welcome, Marilyn. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm fine. It's very nice to be here. Wonderful. And so we're going to talk with one of the Mods Awards winners today, and that is Eileen Branton. And she is with Giving Voice. And um, this is something that's near and dear to my heart because actually it started in Minnesota here and I have all kinds of stories um, to tell. So I'm really excited that, that they were picked. In 2017, she has been really instrumental in the growth of the organization there and since, uh, just in, in starting in 2021, she became the executive director. And so she's really been working on creating this unique and innovative opportunity and to expand their mission um, worldwide and, you know, give local courses um, this opportunity to pull together with people with dementia and their care partners. So um, again, Eileen, welcome. I can't wait to uh, help you share your story because it's, it's fascinating. Thank you. I am, I'm thrilled to be here, you know, first and foremost as a recipient of the Mods Award, which is just an incredible honor. Um, and then also just to get a chance to talk with both of you and, and share the work of Giving Voice. Well, you know, I always start out every show asking uh, just for a little base in terms of have you been touched by dementia in your own family or circle of friends. And so, Eileen, I'm going to go ahead and throw that to you first. And, um, you know, have, have you experienced this within your own family or, or circle of friends? I have. Um, I have a wonderful father who is a musician um, um, and has been his entire life. And um, so my, my life was touched by music 
you know, as early as I can remember. I remember falling asleep to, you know, the sounds of a mandolin when I was a very small child. And uh, my dad's been living with Parkinson's and Lewy body dementia for about 15 years. And um, when we got to the point where we needed to talk about, you know, more care or, you know, what were the next steps, my husband and I and my three kids um, decided that we would move him in with us. And I, I became... I joined the sandwich generation, so the generation of, of people that are caregiving for smaller children as well as um, their parents. And there are so many wonderful things about being able to expose your family to, you know, that um, multi-generational uh, living, but it also comes with a lot of stress. You know, being a caregiver is hard. And one of the things that I um, noticed right away is that the outlets for my dad to experience, um, uh, you know, music and be creative and find um, a passion for what he had always loved, but in a way that was accessible to him as someone living with cognitive decline and having, you know, limited access to things. It just really, there wasn't a lot of options. And so when I came across Giving Voice, not only did I feel like there was a good fit for my family, but I also thought, you know, I want to join this team. And uh, and the rest has been history. Wow. Well, that's a cool story. And I, I can appreciate the sandwich generation because I did some of that myself. And, you know, dementia is a really weird package, but it does have beautiful gifts wrapped inside. You, you just have to look for them. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Marilyn, how about you? Why don't you give us a, a little snippet of your story? Well, I, I, it's interesting because I, I was seeing mother through a prism of loss. And she had told us when we get Alzheimer's, walk away. We're not going to remember you. So go live your life and forget about us. And and we all sort of felt that way. And then mom began to paint. And suddenly, instead of seeing her through a prism of loss, we were experiencing happiness and everything changed. I suddenly was able to see who was there. And that's when I became a true care partner. And it, it really started our journey of, of eight years of, of really discovering who mom was and rediscovering her. and. And it helped me and made me think that if I knew then what I know now, my my journey with dad would have been so much better. I could have helped him so much more. And he had Parkinson's and uh, the beginning of Alzheimer's. So it's been this really long uh, journey of discovery. And I am exceedingly lucky that I was able to take that with me. Well, you know, I love that you use the word care partner, too, because I think it really does. You know, once you you're able to find that joy, you shift mm -hmm. from being a, a caregiver and task oriented to really be in that relationship and be a care yeah. partner, a care companion. And that is that. I mean, to me, that's like magic fairy dust I mean, right, <laughs> when you right. hit that, when you hit that piece. Um, Marilyn, why don't you tell us what is Maud's Award and, and how did it come about? Well, this is... Um... This is a, a journey that Richard Ferry and Maud Ferry began, um, and they lived what could be called the American dream. He was a successful business executive. He was the co-founder of Corinne Ferry International, and she was his silent partner, um, his goodwill ambassador, um, mother of six, grandmother of 12, and now great-grandmother of four and counting. And as he would put it, she was the wind beneath his wings. Um, 
And when he became her primary care partner, like so many people, he hadn't, he had no idea what to do. And so he kept reading and searching and looking um, and learned a lot, but kept looking for ways to bring joy and happiness to her life. And he couldn't find a lot. Uh, this was a long time ago. And so he decided he would start Mods Awards. And this is giving monetary awards for achievements in for innovations in Alzheimer's care. And this is three $25,000 awards to organizations and five 5,000 awards to individuals. And we're in our second year now. Uh, we've just about to uh, announce all of the recipients. And I am so incredibly honored to be a part of this. Um, it's, it's, really, it's really been a continuation of my journey. Well, the whole family is such a blessing in the organization mm -hmm. to so many. And one of the things, you know, that stood out to me in terms of you talking is, is here's a, here's a man and his family who've been very blessed, you know, economically strong and dementia doesn't care. They don't care who right. you are. You're, right. You still get thrown to the back of the bus without a clue of how to handle right. anything. And, yeah. and so, you know, it really evens the playing field. And I, I am so um, honored and, and, and hold so much respect for Richard for stepping up and going, man, I get this. If I can't figure this out with my resources, how the heck are other people and, right. and to raise the creativity? Because I think that that is so needed and to help people connect the dots because there's so many different ways to be able to approach this disease. Why don't you tell us about the awards themselves? What were people, you know, were there categories people were applying for? Yeah, there's one uh, category called making connections, which mm -hmm. is how people, you can connect people, bring people together, really um, speak to their creativity. Um, and that is the, the category in which we find Giving Voice Initiative. Uh, there is um, cultivating health, how people can actually increase the health and well-being of persons living with dementia. Um, there is uh, supporting care partners, which is hugely important. Uh, programs that actually provide respite and um, ideas and support for care partners. And then treating by design, which is how can you create physical environments that actually support people who and make life easier for people living with dementia. So those are the four categories. Um, and I might also add that while he gives these financial rewards to people, it's also important to him that he share all of these innovations with as many people as possible. That's critical because uh, you, you can't keep these nuggets to yourself or we're, you right. know, we're defeating our purpose. Now, is there um, constraints in terms of when people win these awards, what they can do with the funds? We have no constraints whatsoever. Um, the, we start the uh, applications open in March and we make the announcement in the fall and there is no strings attached. Very rare. Very rare. Do you see money coming your way with no, <laughs> with no attachments um, or expectations? So um, right. that is that is huge in and of itself. So, you know, giving recognition for a good job done is way more than a pat on the back, you know, with Mods Awards. So that's that's pretty and they, pretty they aren't grants for mm -hmm. ideas that you want to implement. These are for achievements. Yep. 
And, and that is something that we don't see all that often. I mean, usually it's the grant process and the criteria and, you know, putting it all together. That's a big, a big, big difference that I think people need to be aware of. Is, has Richard used any of the innovations that were submitted? Well, one of the great uh, gifts of Mods Awards is for every um, stage in the development of the disease. Um, and so as the years have gone by, um, he has been looking. And when we first started, he was he read every single thing. I don't know that all of them are. He sings. He sings to her every single night. Um, and so with giving voice, it was like, ah. Uh, and so it was just a, a an affirmation of that. Um, he has been, uh, so he's very inspired by giving voice. He's also been really inspired by um, the, the people you'll be talking with later. Um, he, he has been, introduced me to Nana's books, which are, you know, which my mother would have loved because she loved to read. She wasn't actually reading them, but I always saw her with books in front of her and she would have loved the pictures. So he has been largely inspired by all of the um, innovations that have come her way and he reads them all and takes what he can out of all of them. So I would say he tries to get nuggets from everything. Okay. What is different this year about the award versus last year? Oh, well, last year, because we had just begun uh, and we were well known in the Pacific Northwest, 90% of the applications uh, were from the Pacific Northwest. And so that was the abundance, almost all of the, the winners. This year completely flipped. Over 90% of the applications were from all over the country and very few from the Pacific Northwest. Um, and so that was the big change. I like that because there is so much going on. And you know, I hear over and over people think, oh, you know, there's there's not very many resources and there's a lot more yeah. resources out there than we than we know. And, um, it, you know, it's just important to be able to to get that out. Um, well, let me go and, and pull Eileen in and let's hear a, a little bit more about, you know, what what it was the inspiration behind giving voice. How, how the heck did it start and why? Yeah, well. So Giving Voice has um, two phenomenal co-founders, Mary Leonard and Marja Strushko, who were longtime friends and also um, women that were um, living with parents, you know, parents that were living with Alzheimer's and that, you know, um, they knew that they wanted to do something to, you know, support this Alzheimer's journey. And um, Mary was reading the paper one day and saw an article that talked about this study um, that uh, said the, the, the headline was Alzheimer's, um, Alzheimer's brains are boosted by singing the song, the songs from the sound of music. And for some reason it caught her eye and she read the study and realized that there is just a powerful relationship between the brain and where music is stored. And, you know, people with Alzheimer's, um, often that's the last part of the brain to be affected by the disease. And so the ability for people to hold on to that music memory, and more importantly, use that music memory to um, bring out feelings of joy and increased well-being, I mean, there was huge potential there. So they got together and said, we're going to do this. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to start a choir. And, um, and that's how Giving Voice was born. So it started with one pilot chorus in the Twin Cities area um, with 35 people that were pulled together um, 
you know, from kind of all areas of, of, of the community. And um, now six years later, you know, we have developed programs that um, have we've grown, we've adapted to, you know, the pandemic, and um, we're still so focused on how we can bring joy and well-being to people through this choral community, but also how can we bring this type of choral community to other parts of the country, other parts of the world, and really support this this worldwide movement. So Giving Voice is, is, is at this point, you know, we're, we're much, much more than just a choir, but everything that we do is focused around the people that sing with us every week and the way in which they teach us how to, you know, best put this community together and continue this movement. Um, so we're really fortunate that the R2 co-founders said, you know, let's do it. Let's, let's start a choir um, because, you know, there was a need for it. Oh, there definitely was a need. And I, I love that you mentioned um, music memory because mm-hmm. I, I think that's something that is very overlooked. You know, music is something so common in our life. It's one of those things we don't necessarily appreciate to, to its core until you run into a situation like this when you lose the ability to uh, to connect um, and to communicate and it lightens the load for, for people. The other thing I love when you talked about it being a movement, because it truly is, it's a, it's a whole educational experience of, of growing awareness. And, you know, I've had many people in uh, my memory cafes and, and different um, dementia-friendly communities that I work with, you know, participate in this. And what I hear from them is from the care partner saying, oh my gosh, they're so happy. Mm-hmm. They love, they absolutely love going to this. They feel purposeful and they they feel like they're they're building the peer group once again. You know, may, may, I think a lot of them that I know have like sung in church choirs and haven't been able to do that. And this allows them to have that gift back. And I think back to even my mom in the nursing home, they had a little choir that, you know, went around from floor to floor. And she, I mean, oh, she just worked right up, you know, when she could be part of that. And, um, you know, I just, I just see them filled with purpose and filled with pride. And when the concerts come up, they can't push them out enough. And, and then they're shocked at how many people show up. They're like, oh, you, you wouldn't believe the, I mean, they're huge crowds, you know, on these things. And you can just see their chests heating, both the person with dementia and their care partner. They, they just get so, so much out of, out of this. And so I'm, I'm glad that this is a movement that you really want to bring worldwide. The other thing that I think is really important with this is it it helps people focus on the importance of that social connection, which I think for years was really overlooked in terms of research and the power of it. And I, I know for myself, I think that's why my mom lived 30 years with the disease is she was socially connected. And so um, kudos to you guys. So you said this started like six years ago. Can you tell us kind of how you've grown uh, during those six years? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we started with, like I said, one one choir, 35 members, um, and have now grown to, um, we have uh, three choirs in the Twin Cities area that giving voice um uh, runs, let's say, we kind of call them our learning labs in the sense that it's so important for us to be connected with the day-to-day um, of, of 
of this music and this experience and, and really, you know, learn and grow from that. But we also have worked to grow um, other courses that we have really um, strong partnerships with in the Twin Cities area. So in addition to the three that are called Giving Voice, you know, we've worked with other parts of the Twin Cities area to um, make sure that we have um, an understanding of what this type of experience can be in the Latinx community, as well as, you know, looking at some of the historic black churches in the community and saying, you know, how can we bring this type of experience to these communities that's, uh, that's in an authentic way? So really forging partnerships and asking a lot of questions about how we can, you know, um, meet to talk about how Alzheimer's is looked at in the community and how we can grow a program that incorporates music and a sense of community to, you know, change stigma around Alzheimer's and bring joy and well-being. Um, but in addition, um, we decided that replication of the of the choir was something that we were really, really interested in, but we knew that we couldn't bring our model to every community um, that may need it because honestly every community could have some sort of an outlet like this and so um, in 2016 we developed a toolkit which was a 40-page um, document that kind of identified all of the things that a community may need to um, start their own um, giving voice like um, chorus and so talking about everything from how you may you know find a strategic partner to repertoire choices to engaging volunteers um, and we put that out there as an effort to start what we called you know our worldwide movement to say that you know this is something that um, you know belongs um, everywhere and um, we wanted to help people help people find that. So the idea that our work is open source and it is, you know, free to anyone that wants to sort of, you know, try this out or walk this path, we wanted to be there to support them. So we developed a toolkit. Um, it was widely adopted. We had, you know, choirs that were sort of springing up in all parts of the country and decided that our next step was to really make sure that we were a convener and an educator and the best way to do that was to follow a model of, you know, that we're all learners and we're inclusive. And so we developed a learning community. And so we brought all of these um, choirs together um, virtually to say, how do we best, um, you know, use our shared common knowledge to support this movement? And um, in 20. 17, we had our first national gathering in partnership with the Mayo Clinic, um, and we have been kind of growing that learning community ever since. And um, with the pandemic, we were really reliant on each other to support these major program changes when we could no longer get together you know, and sing in person. Um, and it's really developed a thriving network of people that are now learning how to do all of this virtually um, and really sort of expanding upon what we can do as a virtual community. Um, so those are some ways in which Giving Voice has grown and changed. But, you know, we also are, you know, we're strong advocates for Alzheimer's awareness in lots of different ways, whether it's trying to work on legislation in our, you know, in our state of Minnesota or, you know, really working on partnering with education opportunities with 
you know, um, anything from like, you know, a, a nursing school or, you know, working with our, with our neighboring, you know, churches to promote Alzheimer's awareness. We're really seeing ourselves as an organization that can change the narrative, you know, piece by piece and help people see that living well with Alzheimer's is really possible. Um, and, you know, um, this choir is just one of the ways that we can really support, you know, the, the that change. Um, and so we kind of see we kind of see the future as really big and really exciting. Oh, for sure. You know, one of the things that I, I loved you talked about the you know reaching out to the different communities. So the Asian population, the Spanish and um, African American. Those are those are areas uh, you know in communities that has been really difficult to win over their trust. And this might be a really nice, fun way to be able to to build that up and connect and change that scenario. Because I know there's been a, a lot of, of time and energy trying to break through to those communities. And music is powerful in, in every culture. And so, you know, twisting and turning that to meet their needs um, just seems like a really a natural, natural place to, to build trust and, and raise awareness to boot. Do you have like a, you must have like a zillion favorite stories, but do you have a couple of your top stories that you could share with us in terms of reactions from families? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, there are a million. Um, can I share three short ones? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So we have, we get, we're a family, so we get to know all of our singers and one of the absolute, you know, best parts of what we do is, you know, recognizing everyone's humanness, you know, every, so when, when we're up on the stage singing, you can't tell who has Alzheimer's and who doesn't, you know, we're all singing. Um, so I participate in um, one of our choirs here in the Twin Cities, and there was a mother-daughter um, uh, duet, you know, so partnership, um, that would come every week, and um, the mother, Evelyn, was in her 90s, and she was, she, she has been passed, but she was just, a, she was just an absolute joy to have in, in the choir, and as she was progressing in, in the disease, her daughter was saying, you know, gosh, it's getting harder for me to get mom out the door and whatnot, but she said that every day when she would wake up, she would ask her daughter, is today the day we sing? Mm -hmm. And that was something that always made her excited to get up and get going. And I just thought, wow, that's just so special because even, you know, even when you may not, you know, um, um, you know, the, the connection to, you know, the, you know, we're going to this place and we're going to, we're going to, you know, practice this repertoire. But the idea that Every day she, she recognized that she wanted to sing, the power of singing. So that's that's one of my favorite. Um, another is we had a volunteer who was singing with a friend. So we, we, we do rely on um, some absolute fantastic volunteers to really support our program because we really want it to be an experience for um, the participants that they, you know, let's say it's a husband and a wife. We want to make sure the husband can sit with with the ten, you know, with the tenors, if he's a tenor, and the wife can sit with the soprano. So we really do rely on some fabulous volunteers just to make sure that you know everyone is getting what they need um, it, when they sing. And so, um, so we had a volunteer that um, that 
shared with us after one of our concerts, and Laura, you mentioned, you know, it's it's crazy, you know, how people come. Well, we had a performance at the Ordway, and we sold out the Ordway in St. Paul, Minnesota, in three <laughs> days. In three days. And so you hear these singers, and they go, we sold out the Ordway. And I thought, yeah, we got to celebrate that. That's amazing. Anyway, after the concert, uh, a, a volunteer who was singing with a friend, so this was just a, a gentleman that she was friends with, wrote us a letter and said, you know, before the concert, I actually was really apprehensive about what the point was to bring my friend, you know, with all this hoopla, you know, and you're practicing all this music and really, you know, is it going to be more stressful for him because I'm getting up on stage and, you know, there are all these unknowns and, you know, I was really apprehensive about it, but I thought, you know what, I'll go with it because everyone else seems to think that this concert is really important. This was her first session, by the way. And then she said, but then we got on the stage and I was able to see him look out in the audience to his kids and his grandkids. And I got it. She said, I I totally understood why we do these concerts because this was something that this wonderful man could give back to his family that had been supporting him through this disease. Um, and, you know, be a contributor to their happiness and their joy. And to see that interaction, she said, was just, that was it. I, I got it. I was sold. Um, and that's so true. You know, the ability, nobody asks people living with Alzheimer's to do things for them. You know, I mean, so these concerts are an opportunity for them to say, here you go. Here's a gift that I want to give you. Um, and it's the gift of song and, and, and it, it's really special. And so, um, I love that story because I always say when I go to the concerts, it's equally as important to look at the audience as it is to look at the singers because it's a, it's a, it's a relationship. Um, and it's really special. Um, so I love that story. And then the third quick one is we had to switch to zoom when the pandemic, um, you know, made us no longer be able to meet in person. And in, we did it really quickly. So let's just say we decided on like a Tuesday that it was no longer safe for us to rehearse in person. We did not miss a week. By that next week, we were on Zoom. And one of the things that our team said is, how are we going to get people to understand this new software? How are we going to get them to log on? And, um, you know, we just said, you got to have confidence that if they're connected to this community, they're going to, they're going to learn. They're going to be adaptable. And they were, and it wowed us. I mean, it was just absolutely shocking how people, um, we sent out tutorial videos and we did one-on-one phone calls and we said, okay, you know, um, you know, what, what questions do you have? And um, there was one, one singer in particular that kind of struggled to get online, but we worked with her and we, we made sure it was going to work. And, um, you know, we had someone, you know, teach them how to use an iPad and then afterwards, I think it was maybe like week three of rehearsing on Zoom, um, she gave me a call and she just said, you know, and um, she has a great Southern accent. I can't do it. it. I wouldn't do it justice. But she said, you know, this whole Zoom thing, I just can't even believe it. Giving voice gave me another gift because now I'm Zooming with my kids. I'm Zooming with my grandkids. <laughs> and so it was it was, um, it was, was special for me to hear that because it talks about the, the trust that our singers have um, in us. And, you know, they, they may have said, Ooh, I don't know about this, you know, singing on online on a computer. Um, but they were willing to give it a try because the community that they had 
created um, every week coming together and singing um, was important enough to them. And so um, I'm glad that we were able to sort of teach them a new skill um, that could enhance their life during the pandemic. Um, and, and we're still doing it. We're still rehearsing on Zoom. We're really hopeful that we'll be back in person soon. But um, but until then, we're using what we have. So, Well, the shift to Zoom, I think, was really important and that you guys did it as quickly. There you know, were a lot of others uh, that didn't shift and kept thinking, well, this will pass. You know, we'll, we'll just wait a month or two months. And, you know, nine months later, they still hadn't shifted. And like you said, that was so important because not only did you keep them connected to their community and they could still have their purpose and and move forward with their goals, but they learned, they learned how to adapt. I I had similar stories of, oh my gosh, you know, we can, we can do our book club. You know, we're, we're doing our knitting thing through Zoom now. We're doing, you know, cocktails, you know, it was just everything, you know, um, prayer groups that didn't make any difference, Bible clubs, we're all meeting through this. And like you said, it just elevated them. They were just shocked they could do it. And then, um, and then they were thrilled to teach other people how to do it and share it. And so um, to me, that was kind of one of the gifts that, that came through the back door of COVID was it gave us another way to connect people and um, in, empower them. I loved your story about standing up on stage and seeing the family, because not only does it give them the, the gift of, of song, but it gives them the gift of, of their relationship and a positive, joyful memory that so many family and friends are fearful that they've lost or that they're going to lose because we've been trained to, to look for the negative and the changes and things. And so to me, um, you know, that is, that is such a tremendous gift to be able to give people um, on all on all sides there. So so kudos. Um, as far as you know, the giving voice, is there anything you're doing differently now or going to do differently in the future? I mean, I know you you've converted to zoom and are probably dying to get back together like everyone else. But <laughs> it's kind of that, that whole safety thing. I know with uh, one of my memory cafes, they still have chosen not to get back because they've they all said, we're going to get another wave. We don't want to go through that shutdown and feel like we're put back in the box. We'd rather stay in the box. We're comfortable here right now. So what are what are some of your plans and uh, in terms of shifting? Because I know there are there are others out there that are doing things similar, but you know, you, uh, you guys seem to have really turned this into a movement. Well, we, you know, we're constantly evaluating, um, you know, what we do and how we do it and, and why we do it. And one of the ways that we do that we constantly evaluate is by really communicating with our singers, because, you know, you said, um, you mentioned that, you know, you guys were able to switch to zoom really quickly. And a part of that was because our singers, they, 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 they told us, you know, we have to stay together. And, you know, I always say, you know, it's, and it's, and it's their choir. So what they say, we figure out how to do. So um, we are always, you know, evaluating things through their lens. How is this working? You know, what can we do differently? How, you know, how do we um, evolve to make sure that, you know, we're continuing to build a community that's supportive and, and, and whatnot. So, 
some of the things that um, that we're working on now um, are around access, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So, you know, we, um, I mentioned earlier, we've had the opportunity to work with some diverse communities in the Twin Cities over the last 18 months. Um, and a big part of, of that powerful work is, um, is also sharing that learning back with our singers. So we partnered with a wonderful organization called Centro Tyron Guzman here in Minneapolis, and they were able to put together um, a virtual chorus that looked a little differently. So their artistic director you know, played the guitar and lots of other um, instruments that came from both Central and South America and parts of Mexico. and. All of their, you know, their work was in Spanish, and 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 that program in itself um, is just inspiring and exciting to see. Um, but also, when you bring that back to our course members, they get excited and they say, "Yeah, so what else are you going to do, Giving Voice? What's the next step?" So we're committed to things like taking our toolkit and making sure that it's not only culturally competent, so changing the areas that we need to change to make sure that we're not. You know, saying, okay, well, then you get all the hymns together and put them in a book because that might, that might not be culturally comp competent for other parts of the country or other diverse communities, but making sure that we can translate it into the appropriate languages. So that's something we're working on now so that as we continue to evolve this movement, you know, we have materials to provide to say, okay, well, you know, what does your community look like? And then, oh, you know, we have tools that may be able to help you. So there's that layer. And the other big thing for giving voice is leveraging our strategic partnerships. So we know that, you know, um, what we do is inspired by our passion around the work, you know, and our passion for empowering people living with Alzheimer's and, and their care partners. But we know that there are a lot of people that have a lot more either knowledge or access or, you know, um, whether it's working with Mayo Clinic Alzheimer's Disease Research Center or Banner Health in Arizona, we know that those strategic partnerships are really the key for us to, you know, continue looking at this movement. So asking ourselves questions about, you know, how can we evolve what we do, whether it's from, you know, we've you know, we've, we've talked a lot about the research that inspired Giving Voice. Well, now we're ready to help support research. So we're working on, you know, a research project with the University of Victoria, British Columbia to say, you know, how do we bring the network of courses we have together in a way that you guys are able to actually pull together some significant research because a one course individually may not have the numbers, but if we can leverage our community of courses, you know, that might have some impact. So really looking at our strategic partnerships, and you know dreaming big what's the next thing um because there are so many organizations that are beginning to recognize that living well with alzheimer's has a place in the work they do and so we we just want to be at the table when they have those conversations so i think that's a big focus for giving voice in 2022 is you know building that framework and saying you know what relationship building do we need to do to be able to influence um, some of these decisions? And um, you know, and I think I think just doing a lot of listening and, um, like I said, being having a seat at the table is is a big first step. You know, it would be cool, and and maybe you've thought about this, but you know, they do a lot of fundraisers with music, you know, um, with with the with the big you know celebrities and stuff. But would be what would be really cool is to take all of these choirs around the world and with different cultures and set them up. And, you know, do like a virtual choir highlighting 
what they can look like and how they can be different. Um, that might be a nice way to expand your exposure and maybe even do some some fundraising. And, and given I said fundraising, I should ask, are you guys a profit or a nonprofit? Do you take donations? We are a nonprofit. Um, we do take donations. You know, everything helps um, support the work we do. Um, and uh, we're also, you know, if you're in not just the Twin Cities area, but really anywhere in the country, you know, we're always looking for people that are inspired by the mission to help support us with their with their time or their talent. Um, we have a lot of, like I said, wonderful volunteers here in the Twin Cities, but, you know, people that say, you know, my church could have a choir like this, or, you know, I'm really involved with this music program at my local university. Um, it's always great when people say, you know, I could I could maybe figure something out to help. We are here to, you know, take that, um, take that phone call and say, how can we help you? Because that's, that's, um, that's really the big goal for us is to be able to provide that, that technical support and that, you know, that, that kick that people might need if they think maybe I could do something like this in their community. Um, so we're always, always looking for that as well. Well, I love that you do kind of that mentorship. Um, I think that's how like the memory cafes have grown is, you know, it started and then people just kind of talked about it and knowing that you you can't do everything yourself, you know, and you you need all these little so soldiers all around. And it's fun to see people get excited and even believe that they can do it. And I don't know if you've run into this when, when you've mentored, but so often I have heard like through the memory cafes, that, well, I'm just investigating this. You know, I've been told I can't do it because yeah, I'm not a nurse. I'm not a, a psychologist. I, you know, I'm not a social worker. And I'm like, you don't need to be, you, you know, you just have to have an interest and a passion and, and we can make a fit. We can teach you how to facilitate. And I would imagine a voice would help, you know, you wouldn't want me, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> But that's a that's another point I want to I want to mention with the the giving voice choir is and, and correct me if I'm wrong but this is what my mom taught me was my voice didn't matter it was really about the joy of the moment and I've heard care partners who participated because this is for care partners and people with dementia and um, they're like oh, I'm not the singer he's the singer she's the singer you know and I want to support but you know and they're like. Oh, they drown me out. I don't have to worry. I can, I can still be me and do my thing and, and kind of not be overly conscious of people judging me in this because the, the goal is really the joy, um, in terms of the community. Is that, is that correct? I would 100% agree. You know, the, the chorus sounds good when we, per, when we perform because everyone is there bringing their best. And we also have an extremely talented artistic director, Jeannie Brinley Barnett, who has a lot of experience with the older voice and, you know, with choral programs for older adults. And she is sort of the, um, she is the, the spiritual guide and artistic director of our, of our choir and everybody loves her. And she has a saying um, there is no wrong in this room, you know, but that just, you know, you come and you bring yourself at, you know, at whatever place you're at and, um, you know, and the, the, the whole group is just accepting and it's, so yeah, we have some people that have been singing since, you know, as long as they can remember or have had professional, you know, choral experience. And then we have some people who just sing in the shower and, um, it's the joy that comes across. Uh, so it's, yeah, they're. They're, they all sound wonderful when we sing together. So, 
So it's not just a giving voice, but it's giving joy um, from from all aspects and showing up kind of with that being the main goal. And and I think that that is so powerful. Now I'm sure some listeners are wondering: Is there a cost to this? How does how does this work? And and um, so can you can you talk on that? Yeah, yeah. So we have um, there's a small registration fee, um, and it sort of differs um, around the country in terms of what choir you know you're looking at participating in. Um, we partner with McPhail Center for Music, which is a wonderful music school in the Twin Cities area, and they handle kind of all the registration for us. But um, we have uh, three sort of sessions. We have a fall, so that actually will start um, September 13th for us and um, end around the holidays. We have a spring session, which starts uh, mid-January, and then we have a summer sort of much more relaxed, fun session. Um, the fall and the spring session do culminate in our, you know, our concert, which I did share is kind of an important part of what we do. Um, and our summer session is a little more celebratory. Um, but we feel that, you know, we, this is a, um, a, a professional choral experience in the sense that our, you know, our artistic director is a trained musical director. She brings a lot of expertise. And so we find that there is just a great sense of commitment when we have it, you know, as something that, um, they register for and they sort of commit to, but it's a, it's a nominal registration fee. Um, and, you know, we, we really look for the duet. So someone living with Alzheimer's and then a care partner, um, you know, and we have lots of examples of, you know, like I said, husband and wife, mother, daughter, I mean, really you name it. We, we have sort of that, that um, care partner relationship, which is just, which is just wonderful, but we do, you know, um, ask that that's how people register as, as a duet. Um, and our session is open. Like I said, it's virtual. So our website has all of that information, but anyone across the country could participate, um, in this next session because we are singing on zoom. You know, what would be fun. I'll, I'll just throw another idea out there for you is in the summer, you said you don't do, you know, a concert, but you know, here in Minnesota, especially, um, and, and so many other places, uh, you know, around the, around the world, there's, there's concerts in the park that are sponsored all the time, which would be really cool to see, especially in dementia friendly communities. That could just be a whole nother level of, of raising awareness, um, and getting them out. I, I know for some, that might complicate things in terms of if there's mobility issues and things like that. But I, I just think that that would be, that gets you outside just the family and friends that are invited um, to these concerts and uh, a little a little broader base with that. So uh, I don't know. That's just how my mind works. I spit that it out when it comes. Sounds, that sounds fabulous. <laughs> I mean, the idea to get, especially coming off of this challenging, you know, 18 months that we've had, just getting people outside would be wonderful. And um, like you said, it, it you know, it creates awareness, you know, let's say you're at a beautiful, you know, park pavilion and, you know, there's a lot of people that might be able to experience the joy in the singing who otherwise wouldn't have heard about it. So that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think of even just uh, sports games and, and what happens in the summer. I mean, people are still doing hockey and there's still tournaments and things like that. And so many have family members that are involved in different things like that too. It could just be a, a really fun thing. What, um, what kind of effect do you think Mods Awards is going to have, you know, on, on giving voice and where do you go from here? Well, I mean, we are just absolutely honored 
to be one of the recipients. And I think that there are, you know, many ways in which, um, you know, we're, we're, our work will be impacted. I mean, first, to be in the company of not only the recipients of this year's award, um, which is amazing. So, you know, Giving Voice being an organization that is, um, you know, more founded in the arts, it's, it's, it's amazing for us to be able to, you know, share share the stage with people that are doing research and um, different work that just really, you know, broadens sort of, you know, where Giving Voice belongs. So, you know, just being a part of that group is is really amazing. And I don't know if Marilyn mentioned this, but they put together a book which has not only the award recipients, but the applicants and the information on their programs, which um, is just hugely beneficial to these organizations that are, you know, are just trying to, you know, get more exposure and get their, get the word out of what they're doing. So, so being able to be a part of that is also really huge for giving voice. And I think it really opens doors for us to, you know, achieve one of the goals that I mentioned earlier, which is about how we view our strategic partners in the future, because, you know, more awareness means, you know, more opportunity to make those connections. So I think, I think for us, that's wonderful. Um, the other thing is just the movement itself. So MODS Awards is based in the Pacific Northwest, which is an area that, you know, Giving Voice is not um, as predominant as other parts of the country. We have kind of pockets in Texas and Arizona and the East Coast. And so I think that there's huge potential for the visibility there in that in that area of the country to help us launch um, some Giving Voice inspired courses as well. So um I think that, you know, our work is is really going to be um, dramatically influenced by, you know, receiving this award. And we're just really, really grateful. Wonderful. Well, thank you for your time, Um, Eileen. I wanted to uh, say if if people want to get in touch with you, they can just go to your website. Givingvoicechorus.org. There is a lot of information there. And... um, um, if there are any yeah, questions that there's a little form on the first page that, you know, you can send and it actually goes right to me. So I'd be happy to, um, to answer any questions that people have. Okay. Sounds great. And Marilyn, if people want to learn more about MODS Awards, they can just go to modsawards.org. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's right. Wonderful. And then um, last, Marilyn, did you want to mention the other winners? The uh, winners are um, Giving Voice Initiative and Opening Minds Through Arts at Scripps Gerontology, um, Duet, Partners in Health and Aging. Wonderful. Well, thank you both so much. Appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.